Welcome to the Fantasy Affair. What is up, my fantasy affairians? Welcome into another fabulous episode of the Fantasy Football Affairs Podcast. I am your host, as always, at Eric Burkholder 6, joined by Bradley the Stickler. He is at FF Bourbon Dude. Uh, we're going to get back to our divisional breakdowns, breaking down uh, the AFC North. What, what are we doing today? AFC North, AFC baby. AFC North. All AFC right. North. Fantastic. How you doing, Brad? Oh, I'm living the fucking dream as always, man. I had a wonderful time this weekend doing my annual golf trip. Got to play some golf in the rain. Got to play some golf in the overcast. Got to play some golf in the sunshine. And best of all, I got to hang out with my boys, swim in a heated pool when it was like 35 degrees outside because they threatened to throw me in play some pool it was a great weekend and i'm looking forward to it next year but now i get to talk some football this is something we did a little bit over the weekend but now it's back back to work so i'm excited yeah we got a sneak peek over the weekend of our current guest another fantasy affair and that is andrew jock at mclovin ff affair on twitter uh he's going to join us today he's got a little story about that pool and uh, what happened to you mr mr jock well, uh, we were at the house and nobody had jumped in the pool yet because it was freezing outside. And uh, we decided uh, Mr. Stickler, who set up the entire golf trip, really needed to take a dip. Uh, you know, we'd be remiss if we did not jump in a heated pool at a mansion that we were renting. So uh, we picked him up. I patted him down to make sure he didn't have a phone on him. Uh, and we went in the pool and I did not check my own pockets. And so I am, it was a, it was about a $700 mistake there. So, um, totally worth it though. Pool's great. Uh, got to stick some heated hoses down my pants and, uh, you know, it was, it was a good time for all. True story. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. All right. What yeah, happens man. on a golf trip stays on a golf trip. Uh, for and, anybody that is yeah, going on a golf fun. trip, uh, soon or, or loves their bourbon like we know bradley does uh, i'm going to use sammy's promo code here i'm going to steal it we're going to share it with everybody it is sammy claus at bestcigarprices.com. go figure they have the best cigar cigar prices on the internet so check them out sammy claus they can get 10 percent off uh and of course we get a shout out as a fantasy fantasy affairians which helps us keep this show free and flowing which is always the goal all right man let's jump in here on the afc north um we're going to open with the pittsburgh steelers uh, we, we know the O-line is aging at best. We know they just drafted Najee Harris in the first round. But I think everything that is that is the Pittsburgh Steelers, of course, starts with Big Ben. So let's talk about Mr. Roethlisberger. Uh, coming off Tommy Johns, now he's had a full season. He's 39. I mean, to come off an, uh, an injury-riddled season and throw the ball 608 times to open it out, you'd think they would ease him back in. And apparently he's out there throwing darts at OTAs. We'll see if he can hold up, but. Uh, what is your outlook on Ben Roethlisberger just as a player and then from a fantasy pr perspective? And we're going to start with Andrew here. All right. Yeah. So Ben, he did throw the ball 608 times, but it looked like his arm strength was completely gone. He threw a super low average depth. Um, and that's why Deontay Johnson was such a hit this year. Uh, because he was catching, you know, he's wide open, but he's only six yards down the field. Um, Big Ben, in terms of outlook, I think they made it pretty clear they were ready to move on from him this year because of his $22 million salary or $42 million salary, and they would have saved $22 million by cutting him. 
um, and then negotiated it back down. I think he's, you know, I think this is the last year of his career. I don't see another team taking him on. The Steelers made it pretty clear they were ready to move on. Uh, I think he'll have a season pretty similar to this past year. The O-line got a little bit worse, but he got a little help in the run game with Najee being added to the backfield. Uh, receiving core is the same. Juju came back. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting timeshare between the three kind of stud-wide receivers. I think James, James Washington is the odd man out. But with regards to Big Ben, I don't see him doing much different than what he did this past year. He's always been a high-volume guy. This year, his efficiency kind of took a dive. Yeah, he did finish QB 14. So he is still – it's a deceiving QB 14, though, man, because he's never going to – he's just serviceable. He's never going to win you any weeks. Even when you got, like, Derek Carr is right there with him or Kirk Cousins, somebody like that, at least they're right. going to give you a week where they pop. Ben is just always around 10 to 15. Uh, to his point, his yards per attempt dropped to 6.3. That's, a, that's the sh- lowest in his career besides 2019 where he only played like a game and a half. Uh, right. His yards per catch is 9.5. I mean, he's 253 yards a, a game when you're throwing the ball 608 times. That's incredibly low. That's the lowest since 2012. Okay. I mean, and there, I was going to say, look at, you know, look at his, his low season stats. So week 15, he played Cincinnati through, through the ball 38 times only had 20 completions and 10 total points um, against uh, where was it? I just saw it. Cleveland. He threw the ball 22 times, only 13.9 points. He, he, it just didn't look good. And I saw a really funny video of him actually like two or three days ago. And it's like, this is big Ben zipping the ball 45 yards down the field. And he's throwing, it looked like a duck, man. I mean, it was, it was awful. Uh, <laughs> did not inspire at all. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'll let you get back into the stats. Sorry, but I, I just had to, I just, I don't, I don't want him and he doesn't have much of a future. I'd pay like a third round pick for him if I needed a quarterback and otherwise he's staying off my roster. I did straight up offer a third round pick for him. Uh, pre-rookie draft. It was 302. The guy declined it. I was shocked. I thought it was a smash. I thought I was going to get him. I just needed a body. I just needed a warm body and I couldn't get him. Um, so Ben Roethlisberger, we know is a one-year fill-in. That is who he is. If he has an outstanding career, we always root for players. That's going to be great. Right. But what we do know is that volume does, you know, benefit the wide receivers. He's got two, he's got three in the top 24. We got Juju Smith-Suster at 16, Deontay Johnson, who I thought was the alpha there, only plays 15 games, really played, played like 13. He got benched in one and left one early. Uh, and then we got Chase Claypool at 23, and that's really off the back of that one, four or five touchdown game in week three or four. Right. So, Ben, if we're, um, Brad, if we're going to talk about who the alpha is in Pittsburgh, if there is one, who out of these wide receivers do you want to, do you want to target in dynasty? Oh, it's, it's kind of gross, right? But when you got a quarterback who is QB 13 and supports three wide receiver twos in the same season, I'm okay with Ben Roethlisberger. The alpha in my mind though, is Deontay Johnson. That's the guy that he looks to. That's the guy that he throws the ball to. He looks for that because he's he doesn't have the arm strength to chuck it downfield to chase Claypool 15 times a game like he used to be able to do with Antonio Brown, Mike Wallace, and some of those other guys, Emmanuel Sanders, some of those other guys that they used to have there in Pittsburgh. So I'm looking at who is going to be inside the 10-yard line catching the ball. And when you look at the individuals on the team, Juju, 
Deontay Johnson, their average depth of target was in that seven yards downfield. James Washington's a little bit deeper. Chase Claypool is even further. Now, the concern I have around Deontay Johnson is the addition of Najee Harris, which I think is a good kind of segue in. But but to me, he's going to eat some of those short yardage targets up, some of those outlet passes that Ben needs because he's only got 2.1 seconds to throw the damn ball before he's laying on his back. Right. So they add some offensive linemen in the draft and you hope that kind of helps that time and gives him the opportunity to get the ball downfield to chase Claypool uh, or James Washington, depending on the situation. But but I believe Deontay Johnson is going to be the target hog in that offense moving forward. If he just needs to clean up those drops, the drops are the big concern, right? Drops are a concern. Uh, they say they're a bit fluky, but if you watch the season, man, he's in his own head. So we hope that he gets his mental space cleaned up. Uh, Juju is going to operate out of the slot a ton. And so, look, I don't know what to think about Juju. But before we get into the new hotness, that is Najee Harris. That's on everybody's wish list. Um, let's focus on these wide receivers real quick. Deontay Johnson did have 144 targets. We love that. Caught 88 of them. Man, that puts you right in the discussion for, for a wide receiver one. He had less than 1,000 yards. He had seven touchdowns. Okay, so he's going to need to do some heroics, and yards after the catch isn't really his thing. Now, part of that is because the play hasn't developed. He's only got 2.1 seconds. So when you're looking at Juju, you're looking at Deontay, and you're looking at Chase Claypool, the rookie, uh, Andy – which one of these guys are you targeting and who's your number two, just for debate's sake? I mean, it, 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 it honestly depends if we're talking redraft or dynasty. If we're, we're talking, talking redraft, dynasty. I think Deontay's the guy to go to. Um, dynasty, I am chasing that upside. I think Chase Claypool is a dominant dude. And whenever they do decide to move on, whoever replaces Ben, they probably won't be as good as him. Uh, you know, I think he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, but – they, so they won't see the field the way he sees the field, but Chase Claypool's the kind of guy you design plays around. You know, he doesn't just get open in the flats. He stretches the field. He can be their ex receiver. He is, you know, as close to Mike Evans as I have seen in recent years. And he's just, as, you know, he's just as dominant when he goes up to get the ball. He's, he's, uh, you know, if you give him a good quarterback that can throw a good deep ball, I can see Chase Claypool being a top 10 receiver. Uh, and he's super young as well. So, you know, of the three of them, I'm going Chase Claypool, uh, probably followed by – I'm just not that high on Deontay. I think the skill's okay. He can get open in, you know, in small space, but he really doesn't have any kind of yak, so he's limited by that. So if you're not playing PPR scoring, uh, if you're half-point perception, you know, it, it severely limits his upside. I don't, I don't see Deontay as somebody I'm really targeting because I don't really go for those, you know – mid to low end wide receiver twos. I want the guys that have the opportunity or have the ability to score in the top 10. So I take the deep shot. I, you know, I like Chase Claypool's skill set. I think he's the guy to go for. Yeah, Chase is definitely a hot name. I mean, 238, 6'4", fast as I'll get out. He's sub 4'4". He's 22 years old. So he will be around on the Steelers post Ben Roethlisberger. The question is what they're going to do in the draft. Now, if they had a successful year, which we believe they will, Solid offense. I mean, all things considered for fantasy, just real life. It's a good offense. They were 11-0 for a reason. That defense is a big reason why. Now they lose Bud Dupree, but they still got Mr. Watt. Um, yeah, I, I think the guy that – I think it's Deontay and Claypool and Juju, and I think this is a classic case of you can find name recognition or somebody that's going to be willing to take one of these and a piece to upgrade to somebody that you know is going to be up there in the top 15, top 10. That's the way to go. And Allen Robinson, you can give Claypool – 
even a first or some shit for Allen Robinson or Deontay and some sort of Debo Samuels or something for one of those elite wide receivers or an upgrade in a different position. I think that's the way to go. But I'm going to talk about Juju because this is dynasty. Um, We've seen him 128 targets last year, caught 97 of them. That's all good. No yards, did get nine touchdowns. Bradley put out a great article on Juju and how he dominates the slot NFL wide. He's top five, top 10 in all these different metrics. And the biggest selling point here is that he returned on a short one-year deal. A big part of that was he, he wants to get his, his catches and his receptions, right? He wants to get his numbers so he can get paid, but he also has the flexibility to leave and choose his new spot. Uh, we know that Deshaun Watson's going to go somewhere and the Houston Texans are going to need weapons and they're going to need to keep Aaron Rodgers happy at some point. So I think Juju, it's kind of a, you're punting this year, you know, and you're hoping that he there's there's brighter horizons on the future. But all three of these guys I like, none of them I love, right? We can all agree on that. If you can use them yeah. for, for an upgrade, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd add to Juju that, you know, yes, he had fewer targets than Deontay Johnson, but he caught more balls. He caught nine more balls than Deontay Johnson. So, you know, he was, he was 97, Deontay Johnson was 88. Juju's uh, yards per target, 6.49. Deontay's 6.41. They kind of played similar roles this year where they split out, you know, in the flats where Ben could hit him. Um, Juju, something to point out, I think he actually might kind of stick around in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh loves Juju Smith-Schuster, and he has a lot of local brand stuff going on that he makes a crap load of money off of. So whenever we're talking about these contracts, oh, and not to mention next year's cap was estimated to be $209 million, So it's going up by almost $30 million. Yeah. So they're going to have the money to pay him if they want him to stick around. He, he's a good wide receiver, you know, like you talked about all his metrics. He he's, he's a solid producer. He finished wide receiver 17, you know, depending on league format scoring and all that, but around wide receiver 17 last year, he wasn't a bad person to own. Um, I, I'm not as out on Juju as I think you guys, I'm, I'm honest to God. And this, this kind of, counterintuitive but Deontay Johnson's my lowest of the three of them I like Claypool Juju and then Deontay yeah especially if you're talking dynasty right because Deontay's connection right now is the fact that he's going to get upwards of 150 targets from Ben Roethlisberger is whoever comes in his incumbent going to give a damn about that I mean it's it's well known that targets are earned they're not just given out but you got to earn them from a new guy now. And they got a new a new coordinator here in Matt Canada that we had to Google as a team here and figure out who the hell he is. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a hot debate. It's fun. We should put up some Twitter polls, who you want out of the three. Uh, I did just yeah. grossly overpay for cra- Deontay this Johnson. Is cra- it's crazy. Deontay Johnson had double-digit targets in 10 fucking games last year. 10 games, and he's on the same team with the same quarterback throwing to him. So how I don't understand how people can sit here and be like, Deontay Johnson is not good. He's not going to get targets. 10, 10 not, games of double-digit It's that he can get 150 targets and get less than 1,000 yards and end up wide receiver 20. And so yeah. what's the upside? You know, okay. like it, we can see spikes in volume. Good, we can see spikes asset. in volume coming. Yeah, it's a good asset. We don't want good assets. We want ones. We want ones. We think Juju's going to be a one. Juju had, what did he have, 16 less targets and more catches and scored higher. I mean, he, he was the better wide receiver to own last year. Even in spite of right. these double-digit My targets fuck. in 10 My games. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we're talking dynasty, like I, you know, Juju did it when Ben had an arm, 
right? He was awesome when Ben had an arm. He goes to a different uh, quarterback that's not decrepit and fat and awful. And, you know, who knows? I, I just – I don't see Deontay – I think Deontay's a really good, solid wide receiver, too, for his career. But I think Juju has that upside that people like to see, and we've seen that upside. And that, that's really what I'm getting at. So, you know, if his floor is wide receiver 17 with Big Ben – and a shitty arm, I'm, I'm a-okay rolling the dice there instead of Deontay, who I'm not that confident in. That's, that, that's just my, you know, that's my, that's my vibe on it. That's fair. There's, I just, one more input, okay, from, from watching it. Deontay Johnson is better at the wide receiver position than Juju. We, we play By a mile. Football. Yeah, we play fake football, though. So, I don't care if you're good or not. I just want points. LeGarrette Blunt that one year was like magic. He was like magic. Is he great? No, but he's going to score a touchdown to, to a game. Um, but Deontay Johnson beats me in coverage. He can play the X. He can play the Y. Uh, or he can play the Z. They, they can move him all over, whereas Juju's a slot guy. He cannot beat me in coverage. So, uh, But let's move on to the, to, to the running back here that everybody wants to own. Najee Harris, who has already been crowned top 12 coming out, goes 24th overall to the Steelers has 1,200 yards and 1,400 yards in college. We saw in 2020 undefeated, leads that team to a to a title, and he does it just in Derrick Henry-esque fashion. I mean, running people over, running away from people, except he can catch the ball. He's got 43 receptions. Let's just talk curb, curb the rookie. We do a lot of rookie talk. Let's just talk how he's actually going to do year one. I mean, we know that you're looking for three years of production. We talked about this with Garrett Vienna on Cornerstones. We know that that rookie contract, especially first round, gives you four, probably five, and we know he's going to get the volume. Like, Anthony McFarland's there, Benny Snell's there. They really like these guys. Najee Harris is in a different class. He's a starting running back. They think he's a, they think he's a bell cow. They think he's a three-down guy. Mike Tomlin's going to give him every opportunity to succeed there. Where do we see him finishing in 2021 because he's already been crowned a top 12 asset in redraft so where do we think as a staff let's start with brad uh how do you see Najee finishing I, I barring injury i don't see how the guy's not top 15 on just volume alone the guy's gonna get 240 250 carries he's gonna see you know 50 ish plus targets so you gotta believe that the guy is going to be efficient enough to be in that top 15 just based on volume alone. Uh, I mean, you look at James Conner, he was what RB six fourteen or 16 or something like that through the first 14 weeks until he got hurt. So, I mean, if James Conner can produce in a top 15 fashion, you got to believe that Najee Harris is going to be able to do the same thing. So I think he's minimum top 15. Andy. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree too much. I, you know, I want to poop on the O-line and all that stuff and bring that up, but James Conner had 4.2 yards per carry last year. If uh, Najee were able to achieve similar metrics and gets the volume and doesn't get hurt, I, I see him as a top 12 running back, I think, next year. Now, Brad and I had a, a solid discussion about this over our golf weekend, actually. You know, we tainted golf with uh, fantasy football, but – he might be an asset you want to sell after the first year after he hits. Um, there's something about the Steelers that they really love just leaving it in the hands of one guy. Uh, and his competition isn't great. Like you said, Anthony McFarland, uh, Benny Snell, I think is Jalen Samuels still on the team. He is. He is still on the team. Yep. Okay. Yep. 
you know, the competition isn't strong for him. So I, I, I don't see a way that he doesn't get every opportunity to succeed there. And he's showed in college, he's not the most flashy running back. He doesn't have the upside of Jonathan Taylor, but you know, he can get the job done. He's at, he's, he is a freak athlete. He's just not that fast is really what it is, but he weighs enough. You know, his BMI is excellent. Uh, he can take a hit. He can, he can give a hit. He can hurdle guys. He showed that in the national championship game. He's, he's a monster athlete. So, you know, being given the historical context of them using one running back and them loving to run the ball. I, I can see him finishing top 12. I, I really can't see him not finishing top 12 given, given uh, no injury. I think it would be difficult, but I might consider selling him after year one uh, because I don't think he has the upside. Like I said, of, you know, top five running back, those guys that smash and win you leagues. That's, that's a, that's a big deal to me. I've finished third and fourth place a lot of times in leagues. And if you don't have these upside guys that can win the, the freaking championship for you, you know, the Alvin Kamara scoring seven touchdowns, like if you don't have that player on your team, it, it's really hard to compete with guys with those players on their team. So you might win the most games or have the most average points per game, you know, in your league. But when we're talking about winning a championship, consistency doesn't always do it. You, you need some, massive upside with with players so um that, that's my take on Najee. I, I have nothing bad to say about him i guess his character is insane he's just a good dude that is going to work hard put in time and and get the job done yeah i got i got two analysts that i actually I, they're on the staff and i respect them a lot I, I got samuel gordon samuel underscore gordon in my ear just listing off people that get into 12 easily with people i would take over Najee. Just I just see him there going Saquon, Saquon, CMC, Delvin, just going Chubb, just going down the line and being like, where does he fit in? And on the flip side, I got Garrett Vienna at FF Goldmine in the other ear telling me, look, man, you know that he's guaranteed the volume. We saw Jonathan Taylor finish six and he had to fight people off. We see Dobbins, Akers, Swift, uh, Gibson close out late. Nobody's playing more than 60% of the snaps. You give this guy in a good offense. We know they have receiving threats. They can't really stack the box. You give this guy that kind of volume out the gate, dude, he's got top five upside. And I'm so I, I could hear them both. I don't know where I'm going to settle on Najee, but I'm very happy to have him in rookie drafts. And when redraft finally gets here, I think he'll be, I think he'll be a steal. Uh, he'll either be so high that, you know, he's in Clyde Edwards, a layer land where you're like, dude, that's ridiculous. I'm not taking him in right. the first round or he'll drop. And you'll be like in the third, I think I got a shot at a top, top asset this late. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see where his, where his ADP lands come August, right? Come August. Uh, let's move on here to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, we got our, our Cleveland Brown fan here that is just – he's not bashful, man. He's not bashful. When they won the playoff game, he, he sent, a, sent a video of him ripping his shirt open, freaking out, and I was like, the game wasn't even over yet. I was like, I swear to God, if they lose this, it's going to be the best shit. That's Dude, oh, God. Your Twitter shit. Well, he <laughs> took it. He took took a shot of bourbon and then went ahead and throw it down. So we know they got Baker Mayfield, uh, Jarvis Landry is a staple there. OBJ, Chubb, and Hunt. Let's start with Baker. Baker in three seasons has not disappointed uh, from a fantasy pr perspective, perhaps. But I saw a blurb on the interweb. You know, always always surfing the interweb that uh, there's only two quarterbacks to have. You know, his completion percentage, his yards, his touchdowns. Um, it was a crazy match. And, and the passer, passer rating. rating. I wish of I had a screenshot so I could just straight up give it to you. But Tim and Dan Marie, 
And he took a franchise that was in the dirt, couldn't win a game, took over at halftime for Tyrod, uh, and won the first game, you know, in like they said it like 438 days or something crazy. And I'm a Lions fan, but damn, that's rough. That is rough. Uh, you know, dog pound pun intended there. Uh, and then in 2020, he does go and get them their first playoff win. So he has, he has brought them from the depths and they have Freddie kitchens is gone. Now they've got uh, a new head coach there. I'm just going to let our, our, our fan talk about the Browns for a second. Uh, and then we'll weigh in Andy and I weigh in on the wide receivers and running backs. So tell me the outlook for the Cleveland Browns as a, t- as a total and, uh, you know, man, who do we want on this offense? Because we know it's run first, but who do you actually want? Yeah, look, everybody talks about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and how they brought everybody God. back. They they won the Super Bowl, and they, they figured out how to bring everybody back. I'm not comparing the Cleveland Browns to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not comparing Baker to Tom Brady. But guess another team – Another playoff team who should have, and yes, I will say it time and time again, should have beat the Kansas City Chiefs. That team brought every one of their players back as well, and that's the Cleveland Browns. And not only did they do that, they added some really solid defensive players, which was their weak spot in that Kansas City game. They bring back Odell, which I would highly recommend everybody go and – really dig in because if you just sit there and say that Cleveland's better off with Odell, you're, you're ridiculous. You don't actually watch football and understand what Odell Beckham can do to a defense, regardless of his statistics on the field, what he does for that team helps the team. The fact that the Cleveland Browns were the fact, the fact that the Cleveland Browns were scoring more points is important when Odell was on the field. So now we're going to shift this to is- Baker Mayfield. I, I understand what you're saying. So we're going to shift to Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. I'm number blatantly three. ignoring it. Yeah, I'm blatantly ignoring you because I don't give a shit, right? It doesn't matter. Baker Mayfield was the PFF rated number three quarterback from week seven on the remainder of the season. New head coach, new offensive coordinator, new system, COVID year. Six weeks. That's all it took him to be top five in PFF rating for a quarterback. If you remove those two, I'll, I'll say, and you can always find ways to kind of manipulate statistics, Don't hedge it. which you're, is exactly what I'm going to do. Let's do yeah, it. It's exactly what I'm going to do. So week seven on this dude goes out and puts up 40 fucking fantasy points. You talk about a guy who can win you a week, 40 points from the quarterback position can win you a week. Then he turns around, he plays the Las Vegas Raiders. It's a windstorm. It's like 40-mile-an-hour winds, and he scores seven points. And you look at the stat sheet, and everybody says, oh, my God, it's Baker Mayfield. See, he's inconsistent. It's because you don't pay attention. It's because you don't pay attention. You look at the fucking stats, and that's it. Watch the game, and you will see how good of a quarterback he is. You will see how that offense just clicked immediately. It's just, it was night and day from the beginning of the season and that terrible game against the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one to what they're doing now. Baker Mayfield is going to be a solid top 10 quarterback this year. I'm, I'm planting my flag. He is a top 10 fantasy quarterback this season. I don't think there's a, I don't see a way that he can't be the way that that team produced in the second half of the season. 
there are a lot of great points brought up there. Now, the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs took Kansas City toe-to-toe. They had them at a fourth and one with Chad Henney because Patrick Mahomes is out. Chad Henney's in. And they throw a little pick play to Tyreek Hill. Without that play, what would have happened? What would have happened? Well, they, also got, I mean, they also got screwed on the goal line, if you remember, with that head-to-head Sendejo hit on Higgins. Um, yeah, no, didn't yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. They got Don't even give me started yes, on Yes, and they called it a fumble. That is true. Brent, yeah, Brent so that's tough. That's tough. Good. We like yeah. him pissed off. We like him fire. Yeah. We don't like him when he's all tame over there. Uh, and to his point, there was a monsoon in Cleveland that lasted, I swear to God, like six weeks, and they had three or four home games. So that's going to be a trend for the players we talk about, especially the wide receivers. Jarvis Landry coming off the hip injury. Uh, he has some up and down, but closes late. Odell, of course, missed most of the season. Nick Chubb missed a bunch of games, and Kareem Hunt had to fill in there. But when you're in that kind of weather, it's very difficult to score points. And Kevin Stefanski isn't even really trying. He's just trying to win the game. And so you're playing field position and you're killing the clock to get to the end of the quarter so that when you punt it, you have the wind. And there's all these different factors that play into it. So when you look at totals at the end of the year, that is not the way, that is not the way to win dynasty championships. It's not. Okay, you have to you have to watch the games in season, like literally pay attention to them. And when you do your start stitch, you have to pay attention to the weather and you have to remember that. Okay, you got to because it is context. And when you look at total points on a season versus points per game, you got to lean points per game. You do. And when you look at, you'll see Naheem Hines is RB15, right? Played every game, had some big ones. Uh, RB15, you're going to take him as the 15th, 20th, 25th running back? No, man, because it's context, because it's context. So if my running back plays 12 games, Chris Carson plays 12 games and scores less points, you look at the points per game, and that's a nice cheat code. Uh, but we've, we've heard the crap about Baker Mayfield, who I can almost guarantee will not be a top-10 quarterback in fantasy. Uh, I don't think Andy's going to disagree we'll with see. that. As I can we'll list, I list like 20 guys I want over him. But he does have weapons, and, and the offense is good. So let's talk about the wide receivers real quick. He highlighted Odell Beckham. Andy, do you want Odell Beckham on any dynasty league? I do not. Uh, while Brad was ranting and raving about what OBJ does for the offense, all I can think about is that he has not been greater than a wide or a great. He hasn't been a wide receiver once since 2016. You know, whether that is due to injury, whether that is due to a change in offensive scheme, like when he went to Cleveland, whether that is due to, uh, you know, bad chemistry with the quarterback. Uh, it, it's, it's tough to watch a guy that used to be so dominant fade as quickly as he has. And he's had some big injuries, right? He had that dislocated ankle He's had hamstring injuries that are never good. He's had, uh, he had a torn ACL this past year. Um, and, and it wasn't early in the season, right? It was like mid season. So the guy has proven a lot. I just don't want him on a low passing offense, uh, a low passing offense team. You know, when he was in New York, What's up, Brad? Do you want Adam? Do you want Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson? Because no, no, they're not around first offense. We're not. Well, they also have been greater than wide receiver tw- thirteen since I, I'm just saying, right? You you can't sit there and say, oh, they're run first offense, so you don't want it. Brad, that's Brad. asinine. That's I'm going to use your own word. Context matters. They're a low passing offense, and they tried to feature OBJ his first two years, and he didn't get it done. In just 2020, he only had six. He was averaging six targets per game. Uh, you know he. I'm not saying he's not a good player and that he doesn't do a lot for the team. He gets double covered a lot. He gets, he gets pinched, right? The guy had 
what was it against the Ravens? I remember a play where it was like the last play of the game or something like that. And he had the, like a 60 yard reception where he ran around in circles in the backfield and then scored a touchdown. You know, that, that made him a good dynasty at, or a good, a good asset that day without that single crazy, crazy play. He sucked. He was terrible. Uh, he saved, you know, he, I, I just don't trust a single thing he does anymore. Um, and they tried, like I said, they tried to feature him and he, he really doesn't come through. Um, no, I don't want him on my fantasy team at all. Yeah. Odell's a great wild card, man. If you're looking for a guy with elite upside that, that many believe won't ever achieve it, he's your guy. He's your guy. You got your Julio's, you got your Thielen's, you know, your aging guys like that. Um, this guy's 28. He's 28. He's the same age as Hopkins. He's the same age as Adams. He's right there, man. So if he can have a bounce back, it'd be a smash deal. I'm kind of in the same boat. I, once he lost Eli Manning, which is crazy that he went from noodle arm Manning and somehow fell off. He, he's lost a little bit of love joy. He he's either doing cocaine in Paris on Instagram or he's skipping OTAs, uh, you know, like he's just, he's not, the, or he's throwing a fit on the sideline or he's getting his hair dyed. He's not the guy I want to lead my football team, but to Brad's point. And I also think that they're better without him. And I highlighted that in season as soon as he got hurt. Cause I, I texted my Browns fan and said, look, dude, it's going to help. It's going to help. And I, and I highlighted what I thought would, ha would happen. And a lot of those things did transpire. So I, I'm not I, saying I do want to add one last thing is, when I say I don't want OBJ, you know, every player has an ADP that I would draft yeah. them at. I probably don't want him in top of my first six rounds. I would take every, you know, there are so many players I would take over him right now. If I can get him in the seventh round, yeah, sure. Eighth round, yeah, sure. You know, every, every player has a point where they're worth something to me. If I'm playing him as like my third flex play or something like that, yeah, I'll take him obviously. But, you know, I'm not paying top even 20 wide receiver prices for him. That, that, that's what I meant when I said that, you, you know? Yeah. I think that's understood. Uh, and top 20 wide receiver, man, there's a shit ton of wide receivers we want. So right. uh, just to attack his little crap about the, the Thielen and the, and the JJ, first of all, Minnesota plays in a dome and they don't play defense. They play the lions, the Packers and the bears. Okay. They play no round time defense in a while. They play in a dome. So it doesn't monsoon <laughs> in Minnesota. And on the flip side, Kirk cousins had 516 attempts, whereas Baker Mayfield threw 486. So there are more attempts. There are less mouths to feed. There's only one running back that gets hurt. They don't play defense. They play in a dome. Okay. So it is, it is what it is. Uh, let's move on off Odell. We're a quick rapid fire. Would you give up your own first and second next year for Odell? Brad? No. How about you? Andy, first and second next year. Not in yeah, see, and I think I might. I think I might, man, because if you're if you're on the cusp of a title, what is that? Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle and Amari Rogers. Fuck yeah, I would trade Jalen Waddle and Amari Rogers for Odell Beckham. So uh it, it's it's your own cup of tea, but you gotta win. The beauty of the trading your own first is if you somehow don't make the playoffs, you just got you you bent over for no reason. Uh let's move on to Mr. Mr. Reliable Jarvis Landry. Uh, coming off the hip injury, but closes out strong. I think he was wide receiver 33 in PPR leagues. We're talking about a guy that commands about 130, 150 targets a game. Uh, always in the mix, solid wide receiver too. Really not going to win you a league, but definitely going to keep you afloat. Uh, pretty quickly here, Andy, how do you feel about Jarvis going forward uh, in that offense? Uh, he's also, I think he's 28 as well. Yeah, they were teammates at LSU. He's, he's like 100 days younger. He's um, I, he, you know, I, I have some notes written down about Jarvis, but uh, just to keep him short, 
Uh, he's perpetually underrated. He's always a value whenever you draft him. Uh, and his worst finish in the last, what, one, two, three, four, five, six years is wide receiver 33. And he's had three wide receiver one seasons, two wide receiver two seasons. You know, I'm not buying him at like all costs or anything, but I, he's a solid pickup. He's, he's a good guy to own. How about you, Brad? Yes, I agree. Yeah, I have nothing of value to add. No, to go nothing, back to my nothing, old comment. Nothing earlier. notable. <laughs> God, that, nothing, nothing of value that is notable. Some crap like that. It was so funny, dude. We yeah, it was it's going to be a drop. Like it's that. the best thing ever. It's going to come after every promo we've ever had. Uh, but yeah, that's well said, dude. He is who he is. You like Bobby Trees? You should like Jarvis Landry. He's twenty-eight. He's consistent as all get out. He's very obtainable. I have him in just about. Definitely more than half of my leagues. I have Jarvis Landry on my team, and I'm happy about it. So, um, again, we look at points per game, not point totals. Okay, so when you're looking for upside, we're looking for stability. You got to look at totals because they got to play the whole season. They got to be there at the end for you. Jarvis Landry, I think, is we say alpha all the fucking time on this, but I think he is. I think he's the best wide receiver on every team he's ever played on. That includes yep. the current Cleveland Browns. Uh, let's move on to the running backs. Uh, Real quick, Nick, before we do that, yeah, do I'm it. Cut you off. Yeah. Uh, I think a good buy is Donovan people Jones. Really? You're not worried about Anthony Schwartz. You're not worried about re-signing Higgins. You still like DPP. So Higgins is on a one-year deal. Uh, DPJ is listed behind OBJ in terms of the depth chart on the Cleveland Browns. Uh, DPJ showed he started the year off with a ton of kick returns. That was his main stat. Mm -hmm. And he ended the year playing just a crap load on the field. And this is well after OBJ went out is when he started getting his time on the field, his reps on the field. The guy was a five-star athlete in college. He didn't play well. He played in Michigan. They sucked. Uh, so he sucked. And he had fifth round draft capital, I think, for the Browns. I just think he, he doesn't cost very much at all, uh, less than a third round pick probably in 2021 draft class and you can get him and, and maybe, you know, he, he pulls it out. If you look at his stats to finish the season, uh, he finished with, uh, 17.7 points per game, 13.4 points per game, 9.5 point, or sorry, 17.7 points, 13.4 points, 9.5 points. And he was playing on 60% of the snaps. So he, he started to earn his reps, uh, and he's a possible guy that could show up. I think he's a good sleeper. If we see Odell Beckham moved, or if we see him hurt, that is the beneficiary because he is a field stretcher. Uh, to your yep. point, he played with Shea Patterson at Michigan, is well-known as the Harbaugh bump. Uh, that's what Nico Collins is getting coming out, going to Houston, and, and that's the hype he's getting. Donovan Peoples-Jones – Look, I'm from Michigan, so I know who the kid is. I had him on a lot of leagues, but he is attainable even for me. I gave up him in two fours for what I think is going to be a very high third in 2023, just trying to move extra assets to move up somewhere else. That's uh, kind of my point. He costs, he costs virtually nothing. Very, virtually and, nothing. And yeah. he's a flyer, and they could move on from OBJ, especially with the Baker Mayfield contract incoming. You know, when they start to extend him, they actually have to pay their quarterback money. Uh, dollars get pinched, and I think it's something to keep keep on your radar is is buying donovan people's jones yeah i think he's a dfs play i don't think he's a season long guy maybe a little bit of a redraft waiver wire we will say his name again though because the guy's good the kid is good uh and the opportunity is there especially with baker mayfield who we just found out was was better than tom brady and dan marino we heard it out of stickler's <laughs> mouth talk to me about nick chubb give me some more blasphemy about him about he's 
he's the best running back in the league. Don't talk to me about pure uh, rusher. Let me talk about fantasy, where he's going to finish. Now, he had limited games last year, and still, where did he finish? Nine? 11? 11. And, Nine. He, and he played 12 games? Yeah. Nine. Nine in PPR leagues, and he played 12 games. Like, this guy's awesome, and Kareem Hunt is still there. So are you worried about Kareem Hunt? Are you worried about his age as he is creeping up there? Uh, Nick Chubb is is going to be, let's see, he's 25. So he's coming up to his second contract. Are there any fears with Nick Chubb? Is he a buy for you? Because we know he's a smash and redraft. I'm trying to buy him right now. Um, I'm, I've got a contender. I need uh, another running back, and I'm making a move to get him because I still believe that in a couple years you can get good value out of him. He is, you know, you've already kind of alluded to at least my feelings about it. I think he's the best pure runner in the, in the game, period. Now, because Kareem Hunt is there, that caps his upside from a fantasy perspective. So I don't know, unless you see a Derrick Henry-esque type of season out of him, he can't be a top two or three running back. Right? You're, CMC's I think you're seeing too many. CMC's seeing too many receptions. Saquon's seeing too many receptions. Alvin Kamara's seeing too many receptions. So the only way you're going to see him, I believe he's in that five to 10 range. That's where he's going to land in your fantasies in, in, in a full fantasy season. And I think he's going to stay there. He's just too fucking good. He's just too so, good. So do you remember how he got hurt last year? I believe it was a thigh. He got, he got rolled up on after a play was over, same as MT, right? So he, he, he finished his play. He was standing there and an offensive lineman or defensive lineman, I forget which, but they rolled up on his ankle and he had a sprained MCL. I think the guy was averaging 15.8 rushes per game, uh, 16 game pace for that minus this freak injury where he's standing there and he gets rolled up on, which happened to, you know, who knows how many people, but not that many. It's very infrequent, right? He's, he's a robust dude. 253 rushes is a 16 game pace. That's 1423 yards, 16 touchdowns and 200 receiving touchdown or 200 receiving yards. He would have finished as the RB four last year. Now I hate doing this extrapolation game. Cause there's a lot of running backs that would have finished higher if they played 16 games. So I, I get that, but the guy is a freaking stud. I think he has top five potential all day, every day. I don't see anything dragging him down. Kareem hunt doesn't bother me at all. Cause he just played in the fourth quarter. Uh, after the game was pretty much over and they were sealing it, icing it with uh, with Kareem Hunt, giving Chubb some rest. I think Chubb is is a, a smash by basically always. I don't see any downside. I think he, I mean, if he, what was his stat? He was like 23 yards less than Derrick Henry last year, right? In 2019. Something, I mean, crazy. He was almost the rushing yeah. leader. So you say unless he has a Derrick Henry-esque season, well, he's had those and he will continue to. He's 25 years old. He's about to get signed on a second contract. I see no reason not to buy him. Yeah. Yeah. When you're talking about my, Derrick Henry, though, it's quiet. When you're talking about Derrick Henry, though, man, we're talking about touchdowns. We're talking about touchdowns. This guy had almost 1,500 yards and only scored eight touchdowns. So I think, Brad, and I think you both just said the same thing, even though you somehow argued it. You're looking at RB5. That's what you're looking at. That is damn good. Now, if other people get hurt and he gets to play it out, then we're looking at him going up. If for some reason, Kareem Hunt gets hurt and he gets a few more receptions because we know Kareem Hunt. I mean, this guy had like 18 hard targets, whereas Kareem Hunt had 51. So if you swap all those over to Kareem Hunt, 
I mean, you swap all those over to Nick Chubb. That's what we're looking for, right? Right, Brad? That's what we're looking for. Like 60, yeah. 70 targets, double-digit touchdowns, and that 1,500 yards rushing. That'll get you. I just like to point this out. That the stat I just read is that he finished with 16 touchdowns. That was his 16-game pace. So he was pacing the exact same as Derrick Henry's touchdown pace last year when Derrick Henry finished as, as RB5. So I'm not disagreeing with you. I just want to point out that is exactly within his realm of, of finishing. Yeah, it is. But uh, Eric's point and the reason that I, I couldn't pay the same as I would pay for a CMC or a Saquon Barkley is because Kareem Hunt is the target guy. If they go down, Kareem Hunt is on the field. All you got to do is look at all you got to do is watch the games. If they're trailing by more than a touchdown, Nick Chubb's not really on the field that much. He loses a lot of snaps. Now, the hope, especially this year, is that that, off, or that defense takes a step forward with the addition, uh, their, two fir- their first round and their second round draft picks, both being on defense, a corner and a linebacker. They add Grant Delpit. They add Greedy Williams. You hope that defense is a little more robust and can keep them from, those, get, keep them from uh, allowing some of those games to get out of, the, out of reach. But if they don't, Kareem Hunt will relegate him to the bench in passing downs. It will happen. And it's it, you've seen it the last two years, and I think that's going to continue to happen because Kareem Hunt, in his own right, is a fucking really good running back. Really good. So they're going to find ways to get him on the field, and that's going to limit the upside of Nick Chubb a little bit. No doubt. Let's talk Kareem Hunt real quick. 51 receptions – or 51 targets, 38 receptions. The guy has 1,100 yards finishes RB10 in PPR leagues. Uh, this is not a handcuff. This is a guy with standalone value. But what we were dreaming of was that top five upside if Nick Chubb got hurt. Nick Nick got hurt, and we didn't see it. But you got to remember as they were playing in monsoons in those games, and they were still adjusting from losing Odell. And they still have Nick Stefanski. It's his first season. So there's a lot going on. But at age 25, both of these players – are highly obtainable for very little reason, for different reasons, right? But their presence on the same team is going to make people hesitate. Now, we've seen a lot of teams put up two good running backs, and I think this is just another situation. We've seen Sean Payton do it multiple times. I mean, New Orleans does it almost every year. We've seen the Chargers do it with Eckler and Melvin Gordon. All right, and and now we're going to watch the Browns do it again. We're going to have two fantasy-relevant running backs playing every single game that they're both on the field. Uh, so they're both, they're both solid buys because the running back position is so difficult to obtain. Like if you go, we're going to move on here to the Baltimore Ravens. You go try and obtain J.K. Dobbins, for instance, and, and it's just what people want from him. I mean, it's atrocious. It's atrocious. Like they want another rookie running back and a first and something else, you know? So um, these guys are great buys, especially for contenders. But if you're not a contender, I'm shocked that you still want Chubb because I'm scared of the second contract. I think this is this is the year that you play. You play him this year, you get signed the big payday, you play him again, and then you move on. So I think you're getting two. So I don't necessarily have him as a buy. Let's move on here to the um, Baltimore Ravens. Now, they let Mark Ingram go. They still have the Gus bus, Gus Edwards, right? Uh, they get J.K. Dobbins. We're going to talk J.K., who finishes – somewhere in the 20s at the running back position sleepers screwing me so i rb 17 he's rb 17 okay 
Uh, and he plays like 60% of the snaps, like, I don't know, like six or seven games this past year. Still ends up with 805 yards. Does have some targets, which is shocking, 24. He's got more than Nick Chubb. Uh, but he scores nine touchdowns, and that's what's going to put him in the solid RB2 range. So we're going to talk Dobbins real quick. Uh, we're going to open with Andy because I know I know what Brad's thoughts are on Dobbins, right? So, Andy, what are the amount of touchdowns that J.K. can get in a year? Now, we know Lamar's going to – He's going to siphon some of those, but that offense is good. That old line is great. Uh, where do you see JK finishing this year? It's, it's always hard for me to try to add that 17th game, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's weird. I, it, it is weird. It makes a thousand of different, you know, a thousand is less of an accomplishment now uh, for, for rushing or, or receiving yards. Um, I, you know, I had him pegged for about a 12 touchdown, 12 or 13 touchdowns in a 16 game. So I'll add another touchdown, I guess. Uh, so 13 or 14 touchdowns feels like a reasonable expectation out of him. Um, I, I wouldn't project him for anything over 220 rushing attempts. Uh, I think that's, that's again, a, a reasonable, what's that? That's a, yeah, it's a solid number. That's a reasonable. Yeah. It's a solid number. The, the dude's going to produce and, and you know, the, the greatest trait he has that, that wasn't mentioned yet is his efficiency. So being in that, zone scheme running offense with Lamar Jackson, you know, Dobbins has every opportunity to succeed. The guy was, I think three years in a row, 2000 yard rusher or two years in a row in college, something like that. Uh, the guy's a stud. He's a physical specimen. He's going to hit the hole and he's going to run up the, up the field. He had over five uh, yards per carry, I think, or sorry, yeah. six yards per carry uh, his rookie year. And something, you know, it's, it's pretty common with rookies, but I'll just bring it up again on the pod is, uh, you know, his first, uh, few games, his first six games, he had 25 rushes or 4.1 rushes per game. His final nine games, he had 12.1 rushes per game with a high of, uh, 15, right? So the guy, he will see volume. It's not the volume we typically want out of our RB one or anything like that. I think he's probably a low end RB one to mid RB two as a career with that offense, just the way it's built. Um, I think he's always going to be an efficient runner. He'll get a bunch of touchdowns more than you, more than the average running back would with the number of, of rushes he's getting and he'll have some targets, but not, not anything to write home about. Uh, you know, that that's my outlook for him. I think he's, Good, not great. Man, that's tough to hear because his, his volume, like you said, is, it's it's probably never going to get up over 250 because Lamar Jackson's there. Now, there's a chance that they that – they, there's a chance that they throw the ball more. There's a chance that they get away from him running – Lamar running the ball more. I don't see that happening because why would you handicap your teams? He's a, he's a cheat code. You're going to use the cheat code. Why yep. wouldn't you use it? Why yep. wouldn't you? Now, when J.K. Well, came out of – go ahead. I mean, I was going to say, I do think they're going to try to throw the ball more. And that's, they've shown that by, you know, obtaining Sammy Watkins, taking Rashad Bateman in the first round. They have Mark Andrews. They have Hollywood, who they took in the first round. Um, they have a lot of, a lot invested in their receiving core. But I think, so, so while I do think they are going to raise the number of pass attempts per, per game that they throw, it's not going to be some outlandish number. It's not going to go from, I think it's like 28 right now. It's not going up to 40, right? but it might go up to 30. It might do two extra pass attempts per game. And now the defenses have to cover, you know, they can't stick nine men in the box or anything like that. They can't go crazy covering these rushing attacks. Um, and that's been the only way they stop Lamar. And 
Dobbins. So I think Dobbins' efficiency is always going to be his strong suit. Um, and if he gets that 220 touches, you know, maybe he has a really, really good season. I just, I don't see him with the upside of, of these absolute workhorse running backs that are getting, you know, 80 targets a year. I, I just don't see him with that kind of upside. I can't, I can't project that. Yeah, it really hurts you in PPR leagues. But we just saw Mark Ingram finish, finish very high. And he's, I mean, if you score 15, 16 touchdowns, that's going to get it done. So we know that Gus Edwards gets more than five a carry. Uh, I don't think he's really a threat, but he's not going away. He's not going away. So he's going to cap you to some capacity. He also had 10 touches within the five, whereas you flip it over to Dobbins, only had nine. Now, a lot of that is that he's a rookie. Uh, but we saw him get the ball week one in the red zone. He's, he scored a touchdown that way. So it's going to be interesting season for jk um this is why when we did the Najee harris talk the more i start talking these running backs i have a tough time saying he's going to finish top 12 like would you want Najee harris or jk dobbins andy go Najee. all right brad dobbins i think i want dobbins too but i'm at least torn like we can all agree that we could see it go either way right like you have your preference but they're, they're in the same realm. So to just say that he's top 12, we have a tough time. with. Let's move on here. We're running out of time. Let's go to Lamar Jackson, uh, who had less than 400 passing attempts last year, 376, right? 376. Now he's got a ton of rushing yards, threw for less than 3,000 yards, but he's a, even as an MVP, threw for 3,127. So what he does is he gets in the end zone, he, and, he, and he threw 36 touchdowns in 2019 and 26 in 2020. So if you're looking at pass catchers, you're looking at touchdowns. They do sign Sammy Watkins, who hasn't been relevant, I don't know, since 2000, 2014, his rookie year. I guess he was okay. Uh, they have Hollywood Brown there and Rashad Bateman. Let's talk Hollywood and Rashad Bateman. Uh, Andy, which one do you, would you rather have, and where do you rank them uh, in one season, in in it's not necessarily redraft, but in the upcoming season, where do you have them fall? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I think I want Hollywood of the two. And it's not because I'm necessarily high on Hollywood. I just don't see that passing attack getting the volume that you need to the receivers without the efficiency that I think Hollywood can bring. Um, what do I have here? I have uh, Lamar Jackson threw 26.7 times per game in 2019 in his MVP season, 8.9% touchdown uh, rate in 2020. He threw 25 times per game for a 6.9% touchdown rate. So he still, he was very efficient with his touchdowns. Uh, a lot of those go to Mark Andrews. If you look at Hollywood's receiving uh, background, the first eight weeks, everybody was pretty pissed off. And then, the last six weeks, the guy finished with 18.5, 14.9, 13, 17.8, 13, and 22 points. So he put up really, really solid numbers. I think Rashad Bateman helps open him up a bit. He is always going to be, to me, kind of that field stretcher, boom bust kind of guy. Uh, but they have a place on my roster. Uh, he doesn't cost a ton. He's probably a 10th round-ish draft pick this year. Uh, lost a little value from last year. So, you know, I can see him producing, and, and he's probably, the, of the two, the guy I'd pick. I like Rashad Bateman's talent. I just uh, – he went to the wrong team. Oof. When you're looking at uh, 376 pass attempts and you're looking at the wide receiver position, man, you need boom. You need boom because everybody's going to have bust weeks. Uh, Marquise Brown, eight touchdowns in the last two years, right, back-to-back -back seasons. I think that's correct. Seven eight in 2019, seven. eight in 2020. Yeah. yeah. Um, so – 
five nine bucks seventy is too small, but he's got that boom kind of capacity. And we've seen him used in the goal line near the goal line because when you do that RPO and he does that quick slant, it, you can't keep up with the kid. And you have right. to freeze. If you don't freeze, Lamar will take it in or hand it off to Dobbins, which is why this offense is so, so efficient. It's unbelievable. They will probably lead the, lead the league in rushing for the next two or three years, and they just did it in back-to-back seasons. So, uh, Brad, Marquise Brown or Rashad Bateman, and I want you to talk to me a little bit about uh, Mr. Mark Andrews and how he fits in. Now, just to highlight, Mark, Mark uh, disappointed most fantasy owners. Had about 700 yards, seven touchdowns. He was disappointing where you had to take him, especially in redraft leagues. And he still finishes in PPR leagues, not even tight end premium, as the tight end sixth. Okay, so how disappointed are you in Mark Andrews, and who do you want between Hollywood and Bateman? I'll start with Mark Andrews because I think it's the easiest. He is what he is. I think he's in that top seven range, right? But we talk about you don't want anybody, I'll say right now, outside of the top four. If their name's not Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, George Kittle, or Kyle Pitts, and I'll th- actually I'm going to say five, or TJ Hawkinson, they're all the same guy. Right now, I think Mark Andrews is probably next on that list. So you're looking at top six, top seven, but he's not in the realm of of those five. So Mark Andrews, they're talking about giving him a new contract. He's going to be in Baltimore tied to Lamar Jackson. He's one of Lamar Jackson's favorite targets. I think you're going to continue to see very similar production from Mark Andrews. You're not going to see him take a step forward or anything like that. Between Hollywood and Rashad Bateman, while Rashad Bateman was one of my favorite wide receivers coming out of the draft, Hollywood Brown is fucking good. He is good. He wins everywhere on the field. He wins in any route, anywhere. I expect Lamar Jackson to take a step forward in his passing game. And that coupled with the fact that Marquise Hollywood Brown was the best at Oklahoma when there was a true alpha wide receiver, whether that be CD lamb, whether that be Mark Andrews, whether that be Hayden Hurst, some of the other guys that they had there, I'm sorry, not Mark Andrews. uh, It was Hayden Hurst, Uh, you know, CD lamb, those guys, those alpha receivers, allowed him to continue to produce extraordinary numbers in Oklahoma. I expect to see a very similar thing. Now coverages can't just say, oh, well, it's Willie Sneed on the other side of the field. Okay, we're just going to worry about Hollywood Brown. Oh, it's who else is on that team? I don't even know last year, right? So now you're adding a Sammy Watkins, who is a serviceable wide receiver three. A guy's still very athletic. He's still produced when healthy, not extraordinary numbers, but he's serviceable. You add a Rashad Bateman, who's a true alpha. You bring in Tylen Wallace, who's an alpha in his own right. You still have Mark Andrews. That is going to help Marquise Hollywood Brown put together a season that I think people are going to be surprised. I've got him ranked in the top 25 wide receivers right now in a dynasty. So I'm, I'm holding there at about the top 25 because I think that's the value you see. And that's the, uh, you know, the upside is even higher than that right now. So. Andy, you got anything? Yeah, I have a note written down here that Willie Sneed had 48 targets last year. Sammy Watkins on a much more pass happy offense had 55 targets last year. Granted he's competing with Tyreek Hill, but uh, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to command a lot more than what Sneed left there. Um, and, and I pretty much agree with Brad that, that these guys mostly help Andrews, Brown, Lamar, and Dobbins. 
I don't think these auxiliary pieces are really going to take too much away from those guys. They're going to, they're going to help, help open the field up. Um, that, that's, that's what I project anyway. Sure, man. I'm a little bit uh, Camp Bateman. All right. There's a lot of wide receivers on teams that I didn't think were going to thrive. You look at Seattle, Tyler Lockett, and and DK Metcalf are both awesome. AJ Brown has Mariota. We fucking hate that. And now he's got Tannehill, and somehow he's an animal. And I'm going to bet on Rashad Bateman. And the biggest thing is that I know that Lamar Jackson is going to have an opportunity to throw for 30 touchdowns a year because they're always in the red zone. They are always in the red. They will score 40 points a game. They will do that. Uh, a lot of it is rushing. There's no doubt. He's, he's not going to have a lot of receptions and targets. PPR leagues are going to kill you a little bit. But those touchdowns can still come. We saw Kenny Galladay do it, be top 12. with He just led the league in touchdowns. They only had 100 targets, so 108 targets, I think. Um, all right, man, we're going to move on here to the Cincinnati Bengals. We're going to go from one wide receiver core that's a little decrepit that people don't really want pieces of, but it's cheap, to one that everybody wants a piece of. Uh, Cincinnati drafts Jamar Chase, number five overall for anybody that's been living under a rock. They still have Tyler Boyd, who finished wide receiver 29 in PPR leagues, and T. Higgins, who finished wide receiver 28 in PPR leagues last year. They got Joe Burrow, who was throwing the ball more than 40 times a game. Um, so I actually just wrote up an article about this, and I was standing him out, and I was like, this is atrocious. This is a cheat code when it comes to redraft because if you're not going to run for more than 500 rushing yards, you need to throw 30, 35 touchdowns, 4,500 yards or more to get into that top echelon. And when you look at Joe Burrow and 40 passing attempts a game, loaded with weapons, Joe Mixon in the backfield, the defense, I guess, is okay right? It's a tough division. I mean, I guess it's okay. I see you, Andy, you're shaking your head, but I did see down the stretch. They actually stopped a few people a few times, but I they're, do expect them, to be, I expect them to be trailing early and often. And whether they're winning or losing, I think Joe Burrow is the key to victory there. And they know that Zach Taylor knows if he wants to have a job in Cleveland, um, I'm sorry, in Cincinnati, he's going to keep throwing the ball. So let's, let's open with the pass catchers, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins, and Jamar Chase. Now, Bradley has thrown out the word alpha. I'm going to go look it up. I think I've heard it 17 times today, and he's about to say it a few more times right here. Out of these three, because they're all viable, we're looking at a little bit of a Pittsburgh Steelers-esque thing where you think they all have a chance to finish top 30, top 24, whatever. Who's the best buy, and who's the one you want the most? Chase Higgins Boyd. T. Higgins is the best buy. Everybody's scared because they drafted Jamar Chase, which is asinine. There are a lot of teams that have two wide receivers produce. Uh, I'm in camp T Higgins as the, we'll add, what were you at? Number 14, we'll, we'll say number 15, the alpha in that offense. T Higgins was the best rated AFC North wide receiver last year by PFF. Now, and he's a rookie. just to put now, that into perspective, Odell's gone. Landry has a broken hip. Juju, he's dancing on logos. Deontay can't catch. Okay, I'm just going off the top of my head. Marcus Come on, Brown just let me is a child. <laughs> Willie Sneed ain't shit. Look, man, so it's him or Tyler Boyd. But okay, all right. All right. All right. Number one. Are you disagreeing with my fact? It's a fact. That's just what it is. right? You may have your arguments for it, which is fine. But T. Higgins is the fucking man. Just watch the guy play. 
they're not going to take targets away from him. Tyler Boyd is not a hundred target guy in that offense anymore. They had 108 targets come away vacated now from AJ green. So you look at, at Tyler Boyd going in, I expect him, I I'm statting him out around that 80 reception mark. So you pull 30 away from him. You got 108 from AJ green. So now you're at 138, you got 59 from Giovanni Bernard. You expect some of those to go to Joe mix and maybe a Travion Williams, maybe a Chris Evans, whoever they look at as that or Puka Williams, whoever they look at as that third down back kind of role, right? That's, that's like 190 targets. I'm sorry. Jamar Chase ain't getting 190 fucking targets, right? I expect these guys to be very similar roles. I expect them to see a very similar target share. Maybe it's 150 a piece. Maybe it's 130 a piece. And Tyler Boyd stays in that hundred. It, it, they Ooh. throw the ball 600 times, dude. Who else are they throwing it to? Drew Sample? There's Thaddeus Moss that we will get to. There's Thaddeus Moss that we will get to. So T. Higgins, so, your buy. He's your buy. 100%. I, I just, uh, people are, are lower on him right now. So I think you can obtain him cheaper than you <laughs> so could have low. a while ago. And he's going to produce for you. He's at, at least top 20 in my book. Uh, out of the three, who do you want the most? T. Higgins. At Carl. Yeah, okay. Okay. T. Higgins. What's up, Andy? Who do you want the most out of the three? I, I who's pretty much best? agree with Brad, actually. At cost, T. Higgins seems like, to me, the best buy. I do see Boyd's targets dropping off a little bit. T. Higgins was dominant when he was on the field. And Jamar Chase doesn't scare me about T. Higgins. They're going to play two separate roles. Uh, Jamar Chase is going to actually open that offense quite a bit up, I think, because uh, he's he's a speed freak. He's awesome. I love Jamar Chase. It's not like I won't take him as well, but at cost, you know, of the three, T. Higgins is the guy I want out of that wide receiving group. Um, Jamar Chase, I'll take at a discount if I can get him. Like, rookie drafts, I've said it for a long time. They're the cheapest you're ever going to get somebody. I got Jamar Chase at, I think, the 110 in uh, Superflex League. 109. 109. Okay, there we go. So, you know, it didn't it didn't cost an arm and a leg, and that's, that's a price I'm absolutely willing to pay for that talent because he could blow up. He should blow up. Um, something Brad's not mentioning or taking into account is how inefficient that offense was. So they were throwing 40 times a game because AJ green couldn't catch anything. So if those were completions instead of missed, missed balls, right? If that was Jamar chase, that's catching the ball and he can actually do it. They're moving down the field and they don't have to throw three more times to get that same yardage or five more times to get that same yardage. Uh, it's something to think about, uh, with these offenses that are improving, uh, is that they should become more efficient. Now that does lead to more red zone attempts, which is great for, for big wide receivers like uh, T. Higgins. There we go. So I'm, I'm a big fan of T. Higgins. I think he's a buy right now, especially with the Jamar Chase discount you'll get on him. Uh, and, and like I said, at cost, that, that's who I want. All right, man, let me just give some love to Tyler Boyd. 110 targets last year, 148 the year before that when he was left alone, 108 the year before that. We thought he was going to have a blow-up in 2019. He is who he is, man. He's right around there, wide receiver 16. That is who he is, wide receiver 20 is his floor, man. He's the, he's Brandon Cooks without the elite quarterbacks. Hopefully, Joe Burrow can get him together. Uh, A.J. Green leaves 108 targets. That's what they were referring to. So you, you split those up. So if everybody gets the same and, and you get – 110, 108, 108. You, you got three top 30 wide receivers. Who do you think 
can break into the top 10. Now, these two fools, brilliant young men, I think it's T. Higgins. I love that because I'm a Jamar Chase guy. And there, my argument is, is being used against me. Jamar Chase is the X. When I saw Joe Burrow scramble, when you actually watch the games, he throws it deep. He was 0 for 22 on passing attempts, past 20 yards, no picks, overthrowing everybody. But that's his outlet, is throw it past the safety and see if my guy can go get it. And I watched Jamar go get it. It's college. I get that. But he did it all day, all day, every day. And I know T. Higgins isn't quite as fast, right? But if Jamar is the X and he demands attention and he's getting all this love and the connection between him and Joe is so known between us and the media, the defensive coordinator is going to know it too. And they're going to try and shadow a corner over. Uh, the slot corner is going to take the underneath. They're going to put a safety over the top, which means T. Higgins on the other side of the field is going to be single covered. And that, that is a problem for defenses, right? That is a problem. So it's going to be fun as hell to watch. I think Jamar Chase is it. I think, I think Chase is the top 10 wide receiver for the length of his career. Might take a year. Yeah. I'm not even fighting that. I'm just saying at cost, because you have to take T. Higgins and Dynasty startups right now, 20, you know, 29th overall pick 30, 32nd overall pick. He's, he's in that second to third round in a lot of the, I've done like three startups this this off season. And he costs a lot, and you're getting T. Higgins fifth, sixth, seventh round, somewhere in that range. So, so at, that's why I prefaced it. You know, I, I want to put some bounds on it at cost. I want T. Higgins out of those three. I'm not. I'm not hating on Tyler Boyd. I think he's great. Uh, he'll probably be a solid high-end yeah, wide Tyler receiver. Is who he is. Yeah, he is who he is. Yeah. He's a wide receiver that's, too. That's I, he's honestly, he he he's your fourth. He's your fourth. But he will finish top twenty. He will. Right. Off volume and efficiency and his yards after the catch are pretty good. And he, again, he's the third option for the defense to cover. He's the third option. Now, they don't really use the tight end. I do love Thaddeus Moss, kid of Randy Moss, who they should have signed right after the draft, but apparently Washington called first, which is great for the Bengals. It means Washington paid him for a year to sit on the bench, let his foot recover. Now he's back squad, in Cincinnati. Son. Practice squad, man. They yeah. got Drew Sample. There was very little in the way between Randy, uh, Randy Moss's kid, uh, Thaddeus, and a starting tight end job. But when you're a tight end and you want to be top five, really, you want to be top three. That's what we want. You have to be the first or second target. You have to be. I'm probably, anyway. you know, I think I'm one of the few people that thinks the uh, tight end pool of relevant players is going to expand a little bit because the reason Brad talked about you wanting a top five, top six, whatever tight end and everybody else is the same is because there's such a drop off in talent and exposure. But I think these guys are getting, I think the NFL is changing and I think it's, it's, it's really cool. Actually, they're using these giant athletes. Um, you know, somebody I'm gonna, I would have brought up if we had talked about the uh, NFC East is Samus Reyes. You guys out of Chile. Uh, he was a former basketball player. Uh, you know, these super freak athletes that are coming in that are going to, I think, expand the passing game. And it's exciting for football, but I think we're going to see more than five relevant tight ends. I think the drop off drop off this year is going to be around tight end eight, where there's no comparison between nine and eight, you know, but eight through five is going to be roughest. So I do think there's room for that kind of the, the past happy offense. Cause it's exciting for fans in the NFL's shifting the rules to make that more of a thing. Yeah, I um, like that. I like that. And it's hot takey, and let me say why. Okay, last year, <clears throat> um, Kittle's out. Okay, so we got Travis Kelsey at 312. 
This is PPR. This isn't tight end premium, which all this will be inflated, but that's really based off. It really focuses more on them versus other positions. So let's just go. It's the tight ends. 312 for Travis Kelsey, Darren Walters, 278, right? That's like 40, 44 points. The difference between Darren Waller and number three, Robert Tunyon, who scored double-digit touchdowns, is 102 points on the nose. 102 points between wide receiver two and three. That's why you want a big three. Maybe Pitts, maybe you're sneaking TJ, maybe you love Fant, whatever, but it's really two or three. Okay, and the difference between wide receiver three at 176 and wide receiver 17, Tyler Higby, nobody wanted Tyler Higby, is less than 50 points. You hearing me? Three to 17 to irrelevant is less than 50 points. So now you that's why so many people with tight ends play, play the matchups. You play DFS style. You play week to week. You get a whole bunch of them. You play the matchups because if you don't have Darren Waller at 278 and you have to play Robert Tunyon at 176, as happy as you are to have Robert, Logan Thomas is 176, TJ is 175, as happy as you are to have them, the difference between them and Darren Waller and then up to Travis Kelsey and Kittle's going to fit in there and Pitts is going to fit in there is like a whole season at tight end. It's like you got two whole seasons of Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby times two is 256. Darren Waller's 278. It's going to take Tyler Higby two fucking years and he's still behind Darren. He's yeah, still I'm not behind arguing him. that. I think, I think the top two or three are going to blow the rest out of the water. That's not really, I was, I was expounding on Brad. There's, this point. there's, there's I think more. Like, I think the four to four to, instead of four to five or four to six, it's going to be like mm-hmm. four to eight are going to be the plateau. That's what I was getting at. Sorry. No, I didn't, I didn't mean to complete Kelsey's freaky <laughs> production with anybody else. Cause he is, he is a monster. Okay. All right. We wanted to clarify. We wanted to clarify because it's a big difference. Brad, you're dying to yeah, see what is it? Well, no, I just so you talked about Jamar Chase. I just want to throw one more thing out there, right? When you look at Jamar Chase and you're talking about him being the outlet and the down the field threat kind of guy, we got to remember Jamar you go Chase back to is college. the first, second, and third read. Let me just be clear. Let me clarify that. I think Jamar Chase is the first, second, and third read. I think Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are going to get married on a beach somewhere. They are, and they're going to live happily yeah. ever after, and they're never yeah. going to win a Super Bowl. And they are just going to score touchdowns and get yards and win me titles. I don't think it's close between him and T Higgins. Your argument that T Higgins is an alpha is fine. Your argument that T Higgins is going to be incredibly valuable is fine. Is T Higgins ever going to outscore Jamar Chase? Fuck. I don't know. Fuck. I don't know, man. I don't know. But if I'm betting on somebody, it's Chase. And I didn't care where he went and I could not be happier. I could not be happier unless somehow he went to Atlanta and they traded Julio. I guess maybe I'd be cool with that, but I would rather go against Higgins than Ridley. And I would rather rock with Burrow than Matt Ryan. So I don't think it could have got better. Somebody I want to bring up real quick that, that furthers the argument that they're going to keep this passing offense, this passing attack up. They lost William Jackson, the third in the off season. And that guy is an elite cornerback. Uh, he was the first person or the first uh, free agent that Washington signed actually in the free agency. And I read into him and the guy was a shutdown corner. He was amazing. He was, uh, and he was like, the, he was like the bright spot of that entire defense is they just didn't throw the ball his way. Cause he was that good. He was like glue on these guys. So they lost him, which means I think their defense actually got kind of worse this off season, which is hard to believe, but they didn't add a lot of talent and, and they lost a super valuable player. Um, 
you know, the I can see coach isn't, isn't coaching up the defense. He's trying to get Joe together. Uh, right. Real quick on William Jackson before I kick it to Brad, and then we're going to close with Mixon. We, we've we've run long, but that's beautiful. When you finally have a guy and he's been out of the out of the studio for like it feels like three years. It's probably been eight months. Eight months. Three months. Three months. Come on. Well, I, I haven't heard you in too long, man. Um, yeah. But William Jackson the third, I knew his name because I played DFS with Brian Craighead. He's going to do Cash Crusades. Cannot wait to listen to that. He is at Vandy Grad. Jiminy Cricket. Hold on. At Vandy Grad. It's very top of the sheet. On Twitter. I know I had to scroll up. There's a lot of notes in this piece. There's a lot of notes. Um, but William Jackson the third makes people irrelevant. And him going to Washington is one of the reasons I'm buying Amari Cooper and getting out of lane. It's because if he's going to play the slot, there's two games a year where I'm like, fuck. <laughs> because William Jackson, I, I, it was Darius Slayton when they played the Giants. And uh, when the Bengals played the Giants. And they were like, Slayton is trash, and that's why you want to start, you know, Sterling Shepard and Ingram and everybody. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And they started talking about William Jackson. It was Mike Clay going on and on and on. Number three ranked slot corner. And I'm like, all right, this guy, clearly Mike Clay knows what the hell he's talking about. Like he does his homework, right? So I go and look into it and I have game pass and you can watch the games and you can watch the over the top view. And I'm staring at a corner, which most of the time he's not doing anything. So you kind of take notes on the other people as you're going. And I was like, this dude is in that guy's Jersey. And when he's not, he's fucking with the quarterback. He's making it look like he's not like he's looking over here. Like, oh, I don't know. And then jumping the ball. I was like, this guy is as legit as it gets. So the fact he went to Washington changes a lot of teams. Devonta Smith, Jalen Rager, ah, don't like that. CeeDee Lamb, you know, uh, Amari Cooper will be outside. Gallup will be outside. But if they put Amari in the slot, don't like that, man. It's going to be a problem. Uh, and then the Giants, the only one I like is Kenny Galladay because whoever they try and slow into that slot is going to have a tough time at least twice a year. Brad, talk to me about these wide receivers real quick. Let's close on Joe Mixon. Is it Joe Mixon season? Yeah, I think so, right? When you think about, we talked earlier about Giovanni Bernard and his 59 targets, him him showing up in Tampa Bay. Some of those targets, if not all of them, are going to be going to Joe Mixon, right? They drafted Puka Williams. They've got Travion Williams. They brought in Chris Evans as well, right? Do you really, are you worried about those guys taking a bunch of work from Joe Mixon? Absolutely not. The concern that everybody has is his health. Can't When he's on the field, he's elite. He is an RB1. He should be in your lineup. I believe you got to roll with it. You can't base your strategy on health. So I, with a healthy season, this guy's top, top six, top seven potential, right? When you're looking at a guy who touches the ball 230, 240 times on the, on the field, and he turns around and gets 50 to 60 catches as well. I think you have to think about the upside that Joe Mixon can bring to that offense. So Andy, what are you, where are you at with it? I, uh, I'm happy to disagree with you. I think we've seen Joe Mixon's upside already. He has a top 10, top nine upside. And I think that's where it ends. Uh, Joe Mixon averaged 19.8 rushes per game when he was in last season. 3.6 yards per carry, four to three targets per game. Uh, and if you average that over out over a 16-game season, 316 rushes. 
Bernard only had 12 rushes in the first six games when, when Mixon was healthy. So you're not gaining any rushing advantage, right? Those touches aren't going anywhere. Uh, so his, he's already kind of maxed out on touches per game. And then you look at Bernard's, Bernard's targets. His targets were seven, uh, let's see, sorry. In the first six games, Giovanni Bernard had five, seven, and three targets. Well, guess what? They just added Jamar Chase, uh, and they added, or they have Samaj P. Ryan, Travion Williams, Chris Evans, uh, and Puka Williams in the backfield. So those guys nobody. are going to soak up some usage, nobody. right? They, they are nobody, but my, my only point is that – I don't see him getting, he was already averaging three to four targets per game. I don't think he goes up to nine targets a game. That's, that's kind of a stupid projection. I don't see that happening. They use other guys and Bernard's fine at pass catching, but I, I just don't see the ceiling being that high. 3.6 yards per carry. They didn't do a lot to bolster that offensive line. They could have, but they picked Jamar chase. They could have done something for Joe Burrow for that, for that rushing attack. But they were betting on getting somebody in the second round that didn't happen because they got jumped with, I think, Sam Cosme got picked before they could pick. So things happen that I don't think they anticipated exactly. And they waited too long to pick offensive linemen up. And I just don't see the efficiency in that rushing attack getting much better. Um, I think he's going to be fine, but I think his ceiling is top nine. You know, that, that, that I think is the best he can do. Yeah, I fully agree. Joe Mixon is 24 years old. We just talked about Kareem Hunt who kicked a girl in the head in Cleveland and decided to stay and play for the Browns. He's 25. He's on his second contract. We talked about Nick Chubb coming up on his second contract. Joe Mixon is in his. He's in year two. Last year was year one, right? Because he forced the issue. The reason that he fell to the Bengals coming out of college is character issues. He got kicked off Oklahoma squad. Talent is there. Character issues are still rising. He forces them to be like, pay me or I'm out, and they fold. They say, hey, man, we want you around. Joe Mixon's talent is very undeniable. And if you, if you tune into a game and he finally gets the ball in his hands, it shows. His upside is capped by his lack of receptions, to Andy's point, and the inefficiency at the running game. He averages less than five yards of carry in every season. He had 4.9 in 2018, drops to 4.1, drops to 3.6 in just six games last year. They're going to throw the ball 40 times a game. How many plays are they going to freaking get? 50, 55, 60, 65. If you're a great offense, you get 65 plays, right? They're not going to get that, okay? Unless the defense is Swiss cheese and lets everybody in on the first play. And if they do, then Joe Mixon's phased out. Joe Mixon is either he gets 94% of the snaps and never leaves on third down, which is what you hear from camp. It's what I hear every year, or he's toast. When we get in the offseason, we lose track of the storylines that happen throughout the year. We lose track of what we think of people throughout the season. And we lose track of the rises and falls in a career. This guy goes from 3.5, 4.9, 4.1, 3.6. After his third year, he demands a contract, gets it, plays six games. They bring in a quarterback. They draft a wide receiver. They draft another wide receiver top five. They ignore the offensive line. They ignore the defense. They have a pass-happy uh, coordinator. They have a pass-happy coach. Joe Mixon's an afterthought. Okay, so when we're in the off season, this is what we chase. We chase volume, man. We chase volume. Would you rather have Joe Mixon or David Montgomery? Brad? Joe Mixon. Andy? Mixon. Would you rather have Joe Mixon or Derrick Henry? Brad? It's Dynasty. Joe Mixon. Andy? 
Derrick Henry, I'll take him. Would you rather have Joe Mixon or Miles Sanders, Brad? Joe Mixon. Andy? Sanders. See? And so how about Josh Jacobs? Let's go one more, Brad. Mixon or Jacobs? Mixon. Mixon. How about you, Andy? I'm weirdly high on Josh Jacobs, so I'll take Jacobs. Okay, I will take every single one of those people. Derrick Henry is a ride or die. This is it, right? Maybe you want Mixon for age, but Mixon could be toast too. Everybody else is in their first contract. They're going to get a payday. They've already finished higher. All of them have already finished higher, right? Except for outside of Miles Sanders. He's the question mark. Um, So this is put up or showed up time. (coughs) This is when everybody that is out is going to sell. This is when you buy, okay? And if you're trying to sell, God, you just hope to all get out. Somebody's trying to buy him uh, because this is a tough time for Joe. And Brad is over there rolling his eyes like a 17-year-old freshman. Y'all are insane. This guy, the last two seasons, the the last two seasons before this, he's had almost 1,200 yards and uh, 50 targets. So you're telling me it's not reasonable. Stop. 1168 on 237 rushing attempts. That's okay. He had 1137 on 278 rushing attempts. That's bad. That's bad. Yep. That's not that's, good. That's not getting it done. They bring in yards for carry than James Conner last year. They I, throw I really don't care. Times. He still had twelve hundred yards, right? Here's Never my point is my my point is he's going to be in that range. He's getting those carries. He's getting two hundred and thirty to two hundred sixty somewhere in there carries. He's going to be in that eleven to twelve hundred yard mark. He's going to get fifty targets, if not more. Right. The fact that they add Jamar Chase is kind of irrelevant because they've got 180 some odd vacated targets and Jamar Chase isn't getting those. Right. The argument should be the team's going to score more fucking points. The reason Joe Mixon hasn't finished above RB10 is not because of yardage. It's not because of receptions, because of touchdowns based on his volume. If he gets the same volume he's gotten in those two years, and you expect the offense to be better and scoring more touchdowns, he's going to be better. The fact that you would take all of those guys over Joe Mixon blows my fucking mind. It's crazy to take every single Derrick Henry. Okay. Yeah. Cause he's just, he's an enigma. Josh Jacobs right? so, RB eight last year. Same workload. Don't care. Okay. I don't Dave care. Montgomery, I don't care. They RB4 brought somebody year, in. Same Drake. workload. Are you kidding me? David Montgomery. Me? Dave, oh. Yes. Well, David hold on. Montgomery, he did Drake, everything so. in the last in the last five or six games. He was irrelevant the rest of the season. Brad, Brad he didn't do Kenny anything like until the back end man. of the season. So what? Uh, this is crazy to think that. I, now, I mean, Andy, you said top nine. Okay, fine. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not, but to take some of these the other guys above him oh. is asinine. I'll do it all day. I'll do it all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. We need a water. Because Sunday is when they have some points. kind of bet or something. Brad, we've got so many we bets going, something. I can't keep track. We need to put up a literal board <laughs> in the background and write them in. I will yeah, take right. all of them over Mixon, every single one of them. This is it, man. This is the year. And we and we play Dynasty. If Joe Mixon falls on his face or rolls an ankle or only plays 10 games, it's over. It's over. He's an RB2 and an RB1 price. He is. It's the same thing we talked about J.K. Dobbins. Andrew brought it up. I'm all about Dobbins, man. I crawled up his ass. I'm a little Matty Daddy Jr. over here. I'm like, this motherfucker's the, he's a beast. 2,000 yards at Ohio State. This guy, is, you got the RPOs going. You got to freeze the linebackers. Safeties don't know what to do. You add weapons. This guy's going to eat. This guy's like, look, dude, he's probably 
RB12 to 15. I'm like, God damn it, that's probably right. And I'm paying out the ass for an RB2. And I think that's Joe Mixon. Uh, we're going to get the fans out of here. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget, review, subscribe, drop some emails, check out the site, fffair.com. Couple shout outs. I've already given some at FF Goldmine. That's Garrett Vienna. He does our ride or die series. He's well worth the follow, as is Britt Sanders at the FF Sandman, who does rotor ball. Okay. He does rookie on the rise. He's well connected. You probably already follow him. Brian Craighead at VandyGrad92 does our DFS, our start sits. We got Johnny Slokes at Johnny Slokes. He does the website with me, Quinn Cusky at Quinn underscore Cusky and at Samuel underscore Gordon at Sammy Gordon, who gives you, uh, they give you, what's it called? Hot by happy hour, as well as bestcigarprices.com pro- promo code Sammy Claus, 10% off. Brian at Brian GMFF Fair. Make sure to check him out. He's our usual host. I am standing in at F at Eric Burkholder Six, joined by Bradley Stickler at FF Bourbon Dude. And of course, getting out of here with our guest that we cannot wait to have back. That's Andrew Jacques at McLovin FF Affair, where the O is a zero. That's MCL zero B-I-N-F-F Affair. Check him out on Twitter. Give us all a follow. Thank you guys for listening. You guys got any shout-outs? Brad, Andy, you got anything for me? Hey, check out the FantasyFootballExpo.com. We're going to be there August the 14th and 15th, Canton, Ohio. We're going to be hosting the pre-expo party at the Hotel of Choice. Take a look. Again, TheFantasyFootballExpo.com. The large portion of the FF Affair team is going to be there at the party. I'm going to be drinking some bourbon. Sammy's going to be smoking some cigars. Eric and Brian may be mixing up some drinks for us or something. You never know. We might have some games. We might have some some koozies or some 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 kind of goodies to hand out to everybody, right? So check it out again, thefantasyfootballexpo.com or at FF Expo on Twitter. Two more, man, man. We got Maddie Daddy at Maddie Daddy 2652. That's Matt Riser. That's our founder. That's our heart. That's our soul. That's our lifeblood. If you don't know, you better ask somebody. We also got a new guy writing articles, dropping them on the website left and right. We already got one up. We got another one coming. That's Rob Lords. Welcome, Rob. Everybody, round of applause, right? He is at Rob FF Addict on Twitter. Thank you guys for listening. It really means a lot. We appreciate you. Please. Listen, subscribe, review, rate, anywhere and everywhere you get your podcast. Once again, man, cheers. Cheers.